this podcast deals with true crime, I will be speaking openly and frankly about subjects such as murder, rape, and sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. We have a little bit of a shorter episode today. It was a hectic holiday season, but I didn't want to leave you without an episode. Also, I wanted to cover this case for a while, but there's not a lot of research material on this individual. A man who is right up there with the worst of the worst. A child molester that we know of for sure. And a man who is suspected of being a serial killer and a cannibal. It is a case that shows how the justice system can sometimes fail and monsters slip through the cracks. Tonight, on the True Crime Truckers podcast, I bring you the case of Nathaniel Benjamin Levi Barjona. Nathaniel Benjamin Levi Barjona was born David Paul Brown on February 15, 1957, in Worcester, Massachusetts. Not much is known about his childhood or upbringing. However, what is known is that his murderous compulsions started very early. In late July 1964, seven-year-old Barjona lured a five-year-old neighbor into his basement, telling her that he had received a Ouija board for his birthday that could predict the future. Once in his basement, Barjona attempted to strangle the girl, but her screams attracted the attention of his mother, who came to the rescue. In January of 1970, Barjona managed to lure another neighbor, a six-year-old boy, into a nearby hill claiming he wanted to go sledding with him. Once they arrived, however, Barjona sexually assaulted the boy. A few years later, Barjona attempted to lure two boys riding their bicycles down his street to a nearby cemetery, where he intended to murder them. But one of the boys grew suspicious and persuaded his friend not to go. In late March 1975, Barjona, impersonating a police officer, abducted 8-year-old Richard O'Connor while he was on his way to school, then proceeded to sexually assault and strangle him. A neighbor looking out of her window observed the abduction and notified authorities, who began searching for the boy. A patrol car later observed a car matching that used in the abduction parked far away from the others in a parking lot, and after calling for backup, ordered Barjona out of the car. O'Connor was found in the car, bloodied, 
having defecated and urinated on himself from the sexual assault and near the point of death. A few days before his high school graduation, Bar Jonah drove to nearby Hartford, Connecticut, and, again impersonating a police officer, abducted a nine-year-old girl whom he savagely assaulted in the car. After the child began vomiting and convulsing from the assault, he drove up to a sidewalk and threw the girl out of the car. A nearby witness saw the incident and got Barjona's license plate, leading to his arrest. This assault never got back to Barjona's probation officer, and he was released from parole in May 1976 for his earlier abduction and sexual assault of O'Connor. When Barjona's probationary period was over, he received a letter thanking him for his cooperation. On September 24, 1977, Barjona, claiming to be an undercover FBI agent, convinced two boys coming out of the White City Cinemas in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, to enter his vehicle. Barjona then transported the boys to a secluded area where he handcuffed, then proceeded to strangle and flick cigarette ashes upon them. After jumping repeatedly on the chest of one of the boys, the 375-pound Barjona believed he had killed him, then drove off with the others still alive in his trunk. However, the first boy regained consciousness and managed to find help, leading shortly thereafter to Barjona's arrest. The other boy was found still alive in his trunk. For this crime, he was convicted of attempted murder and received the maximum sentence of 18 to 20 years in prison. While in prison, he was transferred to the Bridgewater State Hospital. On March 22, 1984, he changed his name to Nathaniel Benjamin Levi Barjona. He gave several reasons for changing his name. He told friends and relatives that he wanted to know what it was like to be discriminated against and persecuted as a Jew. During a later interview with Dr. Michael Stone for the television show Most Evil, he claimed he was Jewish and wanted his name to reflect that. Later, in the same year, Superior Court Judge Walter E. Steele ruled that Massachusetts had failed to prove that Barjona was dangerous, and he was released before moving to Great Falls, Montana. During this time, Barjona confided in his psychiatrist that he had a deep fascination and curiosity with the taste of human flesh and had innumerable murderous fantasies. On August 9, 1991, just a month after being released from Bridgewater State Hospital, Barjona observed a seven-year-old boy sitting alone in a car outside of a post office in Oxford, Massachusetts. Barjona, who weighed 275 pounds at the time, entered the vehicle and sat on the boy, thrusting his mass atop the boy's fragile chest. Some witnesses, along with the boy's mother, observed the event and ran to the boy's rescue, causing Barjona to flee. An officer recognized Barjona's description from over 15 years earlier, and he was later arrested for the attack. At first, Barjona claimed that he entered the car to get out of the rain, but later admitted that he had intended to kill the boy. For the attack, Barjona was sentenced to probation in Montana. On February 6, 1996, 10-year-old Zach Ramsey left his apartment at around 7.34 a.m. to attend school, taking his usual route through an alleyway near the 400 block of 4th Street North. Ramsey was wearing a blue denim jacket with green sleeves, a blue football jersey with his last name imprinted on the back in gold letters, stonewashed jeans, and black high-top sneakers. 
A family of three who lived in an apartment in the alleyway reported seeing Ramsey there that morning, and also reported seeing an off-white, four-door car nearly run him over. Another witness reported seeing Ramsey standing in the alleyway, and that he appeared to be waiting for someone. Yet another witness, who lived near the end of the alleyway, reported seeing Ramsey distressed with an obese adult male following him a few feet behind at about 7.45 a.m. A witness reported seeing Barjona standing beside a dumpster in the alleyway at 7.15 a.m. While taking out the trash, he was wearing a navy blue police-like jacket. The same witness also reported seeing Ramsey enter the alleyway later and that Barjona was still standing beside the dumpster. Somewhere between where the alleyway cuts into 6th Street and comes out on 7th, Ramsey disappeared. He has never been seen or heard from since. Despite the objections of Ramsey's mother, a judge declared him legally dead in 2011. Police investigations conducted years after Ramsey went missing determined that Barjona had access to his mother's off-white four-door 1978 Toyota Corolla the day the boy disappeared, and that his mother and brother were out of town for a funeral. It was moreover determined that Barjona did not work on February 6th of 1996, nor on the days immediately preceding. While searching Barjona's apartment, detectives found a list of boys' names which included previous victims and Zachary Ramsey, followed by the word died. Furthermore, dozens of newspaper clippings were found in Barjona's apartment following the Ramsey case. A former roommate of Barjona described finding clothes in his apartment which appeared to match those Ramsey was wearing the day he disappeared, in addition to bloody gloves. Another roommate and others claim that Barjona sometimes spontaneously brought up the boy in conversations. Investigators also found notebooks with seemingly arbitrary characters in which were believed to be coded writing. With the help of the FBI and after months of effort, the writing was decoded in the notebooks. Barjona described torturing and eating children. There were also macabre recipes involving children's body parts. When detectives sprayed Barjona's garage with the phosphorus chemical while investigating his involvement in the Ramsey disappearance, the word Tita appeared, which led authorities to believe that Barjona might have been responsible for the abduction of James Teta, a Massachusetts boy who was kidnapped on August 23, 1973. Teta's body was discovered on August 25, 1973, in Ringe, New Hampshire, off of Route 119, an autopsy revealed that he had been raped and strangled. On the morning of October 13, 1997, 14-year-old Amanda Galleon left her home on a bicycle en route to school at approximately 7.15 a.m., disappearing along the way. Galleon was often mistaken for a boy in her Gillette, Wyoming neighborhood. 
Barjona arrived in Gillette on the night of October 12, 1997, where he stayed at a small motel on the outskirts of town and was back in Montana residence by the following night. Galleon's bicycle was subsequently discovered alongside the road off of I-90. Galleon's social security number has not been used since her disappearance. Barjona was arrested again in 1999 initially for impersonating a police officer after searching his home and finding, among other things, many pictures of young children cut out of magazines and a bone that was identified as belonging to an unknown young male. Montana police charged Barjona with kidnapping and sexual assault, as well as the kidnapping and sexual assault of three other boys. Barjona was prosecuted for the abduction and molestation of three boys and convicted of kidnapping, aggravated assault, and sexual assault including charges that he had tortured one of the boys and hung him from the ceiling. During Barjona's trial, 36-year-old Mary Patron recognized him as the man who abducted and assaulted her by dressing as a police officer in 1974. However, the statute of limitations had expired, and Barjona could not be charged with the crime. Investigators also suspected Barjona in the disappearance of 7-year-old Janice Pocket 10 months earlier. Barjona was sentenced to 130 years in prison. He maintained his innocence up until his death. Montana authorities were unaware of Barjona's criminal record in Massachusetts, a fact that was cited by activists campaigning to force former sex offenders to register. In December of 2004, the Montana Supreme Court turned down Barjona's appeals and upheld the conviction and the 130-year prison sentence. Barjona's earliest interests in the taste of human flesh can be traced to his childhood. Beginning at about the age of six, he would pick at his scabs until his skin was festering, then proceed to suck on the blood from the wound. His teachers at Webster Elementary School would call his mother numerous times to notify her that her son's habit was upsetting to the teachers and students. When he was incarcerated in Montana State Prison, many of the guards observed him performing the same habit. One guard reported that once Barjona had the scab in his mouth that he, quote, appeared to be having sex, unquote. While incarcerated at Bridgewater State Hospital, Barjona confided in his psychiatrist about his murderous and cannibalistic ideations. One of his therapists noted, quote, Brown's sexual fantasies, bizarre in nature, outline methods of torture, extend to dissection and cannibalism and again express a curiosity about the taste of human flesh, unquote. Although Barjona was known to be a voracious eater who weighed in excess of 300 pounds, financial records indicate that he had not made any significant grocery store purchases for nearly a month after Ramsey disappeared. However, he could have also paid for the groceries using cash or have been well stocked on food and meat. After Ramsey's disappearance, Barjona also began to hold cookouts in which he was reported to serve burgers, spaghetti, chili, meat pies, casserole, and the like to guests. At many of these cookouts, a number of persons told Barjona that the meat had a peculiar taste to it. Barjona's response was that he had gone deer hunting and had used deer meat in the dishes. However, Barjona did not own a rifle or a hunting license, nor had he been deer hunting at any time. To one woman who told Barjona that she found the taste of his meat to be repulsive, he replied that he had personally hunted, killed, butchered, and wrapped the meat of the deer. He would later be accused of molesting this woman's son.
In Barjona's apartment, detectives also found a number of recipes using children's body parts, with contemptuous titles such as Little Boy Pot Pie, French Fried Kid, and phrases such as Lunch is served on the patio with roasted child. In the Dakota journals, Barjona also referenced to serving these recipes to neighbors. Also, hair was found inside a meat grinder in his apartment. When the hair was tested for DNA, it was found to belong to an African-American male, but did not belong to Ramsey. The DNA of the hair was also different from the child bone fragments found in Barjona's garage, which also did not belong to Ramsey. Barjona was found unresponsive in his prison cell on the morning of August 13, 2008. He had been in poor health. His postmortem found significant levels of LDL in his arteries, and a mitocardial infraction was determined to be the cause of death. Jonah was one of the worst human beings to ever walk the face of the planet. The fact that he sexually assaulted children makes him an abhorrent individual, and although never convicted, it is safe to say that he indeed was a serial killer of children. Also, I'd say that it's almost certain that he did indeed cannibalize his victims, a taboo which is almost unimaginable in modern society. The fact that he wrote a recipe book of how to cook children is about as sick as you can get. That being said, I don't think that Barjona was sick, at least not in the traditional sense. I think that he was just evil, a person who enjoyed raping, killing, and eating his victims. The world is a slightly better place with him no longer in it. As always, you can contact me at truecrimetruckerpodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group at True Crime Truckers Podcast. You can also visit my website at www.ageofradio.org backslash truecrimetrucker backslash. Also, if you would like to donate to the show and get yourself a True Crime Truckers podcast sticker, go to www.patreon.com backslash podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at michael.prit81. I will return in two weeks with another case to present, so until then, stay safe.